Well, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to the book of Joshua. In the Old Testament, I would encourage you to take your Bibles and do that. And if you have a Bible app on your phone, I would encourage you uh, to follow along on that as well. It is great seeing new faces here, so welcome. I, uh, maybe you were here and I wasn't, uh, but it's good to see you here, and I hope that you enjoy our fellowship with us together. We have a meeting afterwards. We have food with that meeting. May I encourage you to come with that, come to that. I will also be sharing my findings from your surveys uh, with you. I shared that on Tuesday to a, a number of people, and I would really encourage you if you all come to that, and then you can hear where we're going to go forward in as we carry on through the new year. I read an interesting article this week entitled, Age Changes Things. And it went like this. Who changed everything when I wasn't looking? Have you noticed lately that everything is farther away than it used to be? It's even twice as far to the corner now. And they've added a hill. I've given up running for the bus. It leaves much earlier than it used to. And it seems to me that, that they're making the stairs steeper than in the old days. And have you noticed the smaller print the newspapers are now using. And there's no sense of asking anyone to read aloud anymore because everyone speaks so softly that I can hardly hear them. The material and clothes are so skimpy now, especially around the waist and hips. And the way the size, they size the clothes is much smaller than it used to be. Why, I even have to buy clothes twice, two sizes larger than what I wore just so they'll fit me right. People are changing. There are so, many, so much younger than they used to be when I was their age. On the other hand, people my age are much older than I am. I ran into an old classmate the other day and she had aged so much that she didn't recognize me. I got to think about my poor dear friend while I was combing my hair in the mirror. And in doing so, I glanced at my own reflection in the mirror. Really now. They don't even make good mirrors anymore. So tell me, who's changed things? You probably heard the, the quote, the good old days. The good old days weren't, were not so good. Our memories tend to remember things in the way that makes us feel good. And maybe it's not unnecessarily true to reality. Understanding that things change is biblical. And if you have your Bibles, I would like us to read, and I will read for you, Joshua chapter 1, the first nine verses. After the death of Moses, 
the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to you, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where your foot, where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert and from Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country, and to the great sea on the west. And no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful in wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day to night, so that you will be careful to do everything written in it, and that you will be prosperous and acceptable successful have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be terrified do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go we have been going through scripture the past number of Sundays looking at what it takes to transitioning well And the focus over and over from Scripture, even though we've been looking at many different passages, it continually says, not my will, but your will be done. Closure means to close or shut or to bring something to an end or conclusion. It involves accepting the past and facing the present reality. And we do that every morning when we look in the mirror. Closing the door on the past and opening the door to the future. Closure is tough. And we handle it differently. For some of us, we don't like change. It bothers us greatly. We see it as our enemy. Even the world promotes it that way of all the beauty products we can do to help us keep young. For some of us, we don't mind some changes. We see it as an opportunity for growth, for changing our life. It could be involving dealing with legitimate issues from the past on the basis of justice and mercy and forgiveness. And from this passage this morning, and it's loaded with lots of meat for us. From this passage, we see some steps that we as a church body need to do in this time of transition. We see some steps that we can do personally in our lives as we go through transition. Because we're all going through transition. As I sit down and as I visit with you, from health concerns, to family growing up, to kids changing, to our marriages. So let's dig into it. And in your bulletin, you have an outline. May I encourage you to follow along. It's on the screen above me as well. Write down some things. Write down your questions you may have. 
But the first thing we see is deal with the past. Deal with the past. It comes out in verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Talk about a gut punch. Talk about getting the wind knocked out of you. As I was thinking about that and working on it, Max Licato tells the story of Chippy the parrot. If you read that in his book, bear with me. If you haven't, let me share a little bit about it. Chippy was just purchased by a proud owner. She wanted to take good care of Chippy. To show her love, she decided to keep clean Chippy's cage. She started from the top and worked her way down to the bottom. She started cleaning the bottom of the cage using a vacuum cleaner. The phone rang. Instinctively, she answered it, paying no attention to the hose on the vacuum cleaner. When all of a sudden she heard this whoosh, she looked around and her worst fears were confirmed. She had sucked Chippy into the vacuum cleaner. And in her panic, she turned the vacuum cleaner off. She opened it up to find Chippy in the bag, covered in dust and soot and dirt. And immediately, she picks him up and she rushes to the bathroom sink. She turns on the water. She puts him underneath, believing that she's done the right thing to clean him, clean him up. And now she looks at him and she realizes that he is shivering and soaking wet. Realizing where she is and recognizing what's available, she picks up the hairdryer, turns it on high. Reporter gets wind of this incident. And after the interview, she asks, so how is Chippy? The owner replied, Chippy doesn't sing anymore. And neither do we. When we get sucked up, washed up, and blown over. When life hits us and we get sucked into this vacuum cleaner, we don't sing like we used to. It takes the wind out of us. I think of that every time I talk with John. That's what he makes the statement. The wind has been knocked out. Israel had to deal with his past. Moses, my servant, is dead. This is a leader that they had for 40 years now, and now he's dead. This was the man that God used to free them from their bondage, to feed them, to do all sorts of miracles, and now he's dead. What God is saying to us As we go through transition, as we go through change, God's saying to us, deal with your past. Deal with your past. It was not the man Moses, it was me. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what God is saying. The eyes were all upon Moses. He says, that's not the important thing. It's me. 
Paul has been here for 39 years. He's retired. He's happy that he's retired. Our focus needs to shift from Paul to God. Churches depend too much on their leaders or pastors and not enough on God. And when God pulls the leader away, we get into panic mode. Oh no, what's going to happen? And God continues to call us forth into the promised land. God led them from Egypt to the desert and from the desert into the wilderness. And now he wants to lead them from the wilderness to cross the Jordan River. And so he says, get ready. Get ready. Get the people ready. God is leading his church, this church, to new horizons all the time. And so my encouragement is, get ready. One thing for sure, we can't stay. The Israelites couldn't stay in Egypt and still get to the promised land. We can't stay and still get into the promised land. We have to move. If we're going to be obedient to God, we must follow God. And that means that we can't stay where we are. We must faithfully move out. The same thing happens in our personal lives. When we go through the struggles and through the trials in our life, we can't stay there. We have to grab hold of God. Put our trust fully in Him. However, we can't move out until we deal with our past. Israel had to mourn Moses' death. God gives us grace and time to deal with our past. It's okay to mourn for our past leaders. However, there's a time when God says to you and I, deal with it, and it's time to move. It's time to move. The third thing we see is found in verses 3 through 6. Develop his plan. Too many churches, as I've been doing transitional work, are like the farmer who had a visitor stop and ask him directions on how to get to town. And he replies this way, It doesn't matter to me which road you take. It does matter. And it should matter to the church. And to develop his plan, we see here in verses 3 and 4 that we need to find his plan. Your territory, or verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. And then he describes where their territory will expand. You see, God had already given them the territory, but they haven't discovered it yet. They had to find where God was working. And we're going to be doing that. Where is God working in our midst? How is he moving in our midst? Are we working there? Church, body, my brothers and sisters, God has already given us 
things. But we have to find them. We have to develop it. Where is God working? And that's where we need to be. We also need to finish this plan. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. They were promised this. Did this mean that there would be no war? Not at all. It meant that God would provide victory. We're not promised peace as the world knows it, as the world talks about it. But we are promised the peace of God in the midst of any circumstance. So when we pray and we ask God to to heal and he's not healing the way we want and he's not doing the things that we want, he's given victory and that victory is found in him. Our calling is not one of ease. As Christians, when we come to know Jesus Christ, he's not going to say your life is going to be easy. You won't have any trials. You won't have any temptations. That's not at all. But God has provided victory. We need to have, to, we need to have faith in his plan. Verse 6. God tells Joshua, be strong and good courage. And of good courage, why? Why? Joshua could be strong and of good courage because God is with him. God is giving this land to Israel. And Joshua must have faith in God's plan. When you start implementing God's plan in your life, in our church body, the going will get rough. Satan's going to work overtime. He's not going to want our eyes to turn upon the Lord. He's not going to want our focus to be on the Lord. We must have faith that God will do what he said. We need to discover his power. The end of verse 7 says that you may be prosper wherever you go. Joshua discovered God's power. God prospered his people by allowing them to experience his power. We are experiencing God's power through prayer. Many people in their lives in this body are experiencing God's power. Are we prospering wherever we go? And how do we prosper? When we, we prosper when Jesus, when we do what Joshua did, pardon me. We prosper when we obey God's word. We need to obey God's word. Do not turn from it at all. It's so easy for us to do just that. So easy for us to think, well, it's okay, God. I got this one. I can handle this one, God. And then we mess that all up. 
It's so easy to do our will and not God's will because they're right there. So easy. God told Moses what to do. God told Joshua what to do. And God told you and I what to do. Obey God's word. Obey God's word. We need to determine his principles. We see this in verse 8. Israel was about to determine God's principles. And the first thing that they needed to do and that we need to do is comprehend his word. We see this in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. For us to determine God's principles, we must spend time in his word. We must read to understand. We must open it up and say, God, I, I don't understand this. May your spirit move through me as I read it. May it speak to me. This needs to be one of our core values. I would encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, ask one of us. We'd be glad to give you a Bible. I would encourage you, dig into it. Open it up. Study his word. Everything that is needed for spiritual knowledge is contained in the Bible. And we get lackadaisical because we're busy people. We have many things to do. But we need to do this. We need to comprehend his word. We also need to consider his word. We need to meditate on it, it says, day and night. You see, meditation causes us to think about what God is saying. To take it to heart. Allowing our minds to be transformed and renewed in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 talks about this. Allowing our minds to be transformed and renewed. We need to carry out his word. You see, to determine God's principles is totally meaningless if we don't apply them. If we just sit there and read it and we don't apply them, it's useless. It's futile if we don't carry them out. Scripture tells us to be doers of the word. The purpose and the function of the church is to win, build, and equip, and multiply. That's our purpose. To win, to build, to equip, and multiply. If you have a pen, write these verses down. You can see it. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 47. Ephesians chapters 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 28. 19 through 20. These were tough words spoken to Joshua. Their leader for 40 years now has passed away. They didn't even know where he was. They still don't know where God buried him. And in verse 9, God instructs Joshua to depart with his purpose. I have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. 
Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see, our purpose is to be motivated by his command. Who's sending us? Have I not commanded you? You see, self did not motivate them. God motivated them. God motivates you and I as we go through the different struggles that we go through, the different things in life as a church body. God motivates us. Our purpose is strengthened by his commission. Have I not commanded you? Jesus said, go into all the world. We are not affected by what others say or think, and we shouldn't be. We have his commission. Have I not commanded you? Meditate on it. Apply it. Go and do it. Our purpose then, too, is solidified by his company. Who's with us? Who's with us? We unite in the promise that God is for us. John and Norma, Ted and Patricia, every single one of you, as you go through your struggles in life, you know that God is with you. We have the same thing as the body of Christ. We have that promise that God is for us. Who can be against us? Who can be against us? God is for us. As we continue to move forward, as we continue to seek his will, my encouragement is to keep our eyes upon the Lord, to meditate on his word, to study his word, to do what his word encourages us to do. It's application time for each one of us. As the worship team comes up, let me just close in prayer for us all. Have the team come up as well. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our midst. Thank you for being our Lord and our God and our Savior. Lord, thank you for walking us through this, for giving us your word. Man, Lord, may we not just be hearers of the word, but may we be doers of the word. May we get into your word. Lord, may we not just have it tickle our ears, but may we apply it. As we walk through the things and the seasons of our life, as we walk through the season of our church body, Lord, may our eyes be turned upon you and focused upon you. We just pray and ask things in your name.